Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Fight fans, we welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Kenobia. We are back in a very big way. Joining us on the program today, Curran Batia. He is a recurring guest here on the show. We're going to bring back the Standing 8 segment. lot to discuss in that one, whether it was Better Bev and Vodzik, the fight we saw this past weekend. Looking forward to... Big fights on the calendar between Canelo and Kovalev, whether it's Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua. We will have you covered in that segment. Also joining us on the show, Regis Progray. We'll catch up at Regis before was, this was taped before he headed over to London. We'll talk about uh, the biggest things going on in his career as he has the biggest fight on the schedule this weekend. And now we're going to hone in on what I think is the fight of the weekend, and I think a lot of fight fans would agree with me. That is Regis Progray and Josh Taylor. Two titles on the line. It is the World Boxing Super Series final. Let's go through some numbers here, and let's start with Regis Progray. He's the busier of the two between him and Josh Taylor. He's thrown 58 punches around. That's right in line with the weight class average, but he is the busier of the two. That is Regis Progray. He lands his power shots at a very high clip, Progray. 47%. And he's going to have to establish those punches, those power shots, early on on a bigger fighter in Josh Taylor. Another thing to keep an eye on, and it's the punch that I think is the most important in this fight for each guy, and that is the jab. And and Regis Progray throws 36 jabs per round. That is a high number. Uh, That's 12 more than the Judah welterweight average. He's going to want to slow down Taylor in that ring. Taylor is the bigger fighter. He moves around in there. That is a, a punch to keep an eye on as the fight goes on. That's the jab from Regis Progray. And finally, an underrated aspect of Regis Progray's game is his defense. You see Regis in the ring with his hands down and he, he depends on his reflexes. We'll see how long he can do that in his career, but now it works for him. Only six landed punches per round on Progray. He's very elusive. He's very slick. He boxes at awkward angles and he's going to have to depend on that athleticism in what is the biggest fight of his career. Over to Josh Taylor. Taylor focuses on the body. 41% of his landed shots are body shots. Very high number. He's going to want to pound away at the ribcage of Regis Progray, who is an aggressive fighter, and slow him down. When it comes to the power department, Josh Taylor, no slouch. He highlighted that Regis Progray is landing his power shots at 47%. Josh Taylor coming into this fight, landing at 44% of his power. So this is about between two heavy-handed fighters, two fighters that like to throw power shots, which should be a very great fight. Of the two... Progray has the better defense. I just talked about how Progray is only getting hit with six punches. Taylor only getting hit with 10 punches per round. The uh, welterweight average, junior welterweight average is a little bit higher than that, 17 to 18. So each guy has really good defense. Each guy depends on their jab and throws heavy power shots. It is a very highly contested fight. It's a very even matchup, and this is what it is. Another unification bout, and what has been the year of the unification bouts. And it goes down this Saturday on DAZN. That's Progray and Josh Taylor. Now, we caught up with Regis Progray. We interviewed him before he set out to London. You're going to like this. We had some fun with the 140-pound WBA champ. 
Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Now, let's go three rounds with the WBA 140-pound champ, Regis Proge. Now, Regis, I, I follow you on Instagram. You're always doing crazy stuff out in Mother Nature, whether it's sea lions, you're swimming with alligators. What's the craziest situation you've encountered in Mother Nature? You know what the craziest? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you, you saw all that stuff, man. I just, I just like playing with animals. That's all. Like playing with wild animals, you know. I can't even say the crazy yacht. Like I was chasing like a little alligator when I was here in New Orleans. I, um, closest the call though. What's the was, closest call you've had out there? I never. You know what people think is crazy, but um, I never even, I never even got close to getting like messed up or nothing like that. That's the thing, you know. I, I, like I swam in L.A. and a sh- little shark was under my foot and. And all that stuff, sea lions, and all of you swimming with me. But I, as far as the close call, I never been, you know, nothing, never been close to happening to me. I'm smarter than people think. You know, people say, "Oh, he's crazy for doing <laughs> oh, this." Oh, Lou, but yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm more, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more careful. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm more careful than people think I am. You know, so um, I don't know. It's, it's, I never really had no close calls or nothing. You know, I just, I like to see animals and I go play with them. You know, I was just in Hawaii what, two weeks ago and yeah, I was like swimming with a little shark. They had like a, you know, like a, a little reef shark or something like that down there and I went to go pet them and stuff. So, um, you know, I'm I'm more careful than people think. You know, I just, I like to have fun with my life. And for me, it's, you only got one life. Man. You only can do it one time. Man. Yep. You know, I'm 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 not gonna hold back. I'm gonna do everything I want to do in this life. You know, while I'm still in my career, of course, I do have to be careful because you know I'm I'm a professional athlete. But you know, at the same time, I'm still gonna have fun with my life, and you know, I'm, I'm gonna live my life to the fullest. Now you're managed by Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg. Who plays Regis Progre in the movie of your life? I think my son. If, if if I had yeah my son if people don't see my son my son looks like exactly like me not and, and people say that kids look like them my son looks like a like a, a like me little like to where uh, if I walked in the room and he walked out you'd be like what the hell happened you know like you'll think like I got I shrunk or something like that that's how much my son looks like me yeah. so yeah in and yeah I think in in my movie I think it, it definitely you know give my son some acting lessons and. I think he'll definitely play, you know, like with um, Ice Cube and his son when he played in, in NWA. You know, like he looks that much like me, so uh, he'll have to play me. Okay, now you put New Orleans on the map uh, with your prize fighting and, and being a champion, and now you had Zion Williamson in town. Now, 25 years from now, who's on the Mount Rushmore? That's four faces of New Orleans sports. New Orleans sports or New Orleans period? New Orleans sports. Who's on the Mount Rushmore? I'm sure you're going to put yourself on there. Who are the other three? Uh, I think it got to be me. It got to be um, Drew Brees. Um, as far as um, – and it got to be Tyron, Tyron Matthew. Yes. And um, I don't know. And then as far as picking the number four, we got to see. We got to we, – yeah, we, we – we got to see what's going to happen. The thing is, me and Tyra, we from here, you know, so we definitely got to be on the Drew Brees. 
Um, you know, he's not from here, but he just, you know, he brought New Orleans to a Super Bowl, his first Super Bowl ever. And he just, for me, he's definitely, you know, I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league. If not, when, if not one of the great, the greatest quarterbacks, you know, in the league right now. Um, if you're just looking at his stats, basically, it's, it's between him and Tom Brady, of course. Um, but that's three. As far as four, we don't got a four right now. You know, we got a, we, we, it could be up like a, um, Maybe like a Linda Fournette, Ike Taylor, but um, I can't put a four up there right now. But I think as far as boxing, you got to put me up there, and um, you know, and then football, you got to put Tyron Matthew and Drew Brees. So number four, I don't know. Number four is not decided yet. It is another edition of the Standing Eight Count. Joining me as always, he's the former HBO Sports producer, current host of Ask the Experts podcast, Mr. Karim Batia. Current, a lot going on in the world of boxing this past weekend and moving forward as we enter the busiest time on the boxing schedule. Dan, glad to be with you. Glad to be debating, talking boxing. The Yankees are out, so uh, well, I know that's unfortunate. That? I had to remind you, but that means we can focus on boxing the last few months of the year, the last few months of the decade, so we can talk about what's going on in the boxing world. Right. We had saw a great fight this past weekend. There's a lot of big fights coming up. Obviously, Canelo is just uh, two weeks away. Joshua and Ruiz, Progray Taylor. You can go up and down the list. We're going to do that right here with our first topic here on the Standing Eight Count. Okay, Kern, we have to unfortunately start off the starting eight count here with on a somber note, and that is the untimely passing of Patrick Day that occurred last week with his fight with Charles Conwell. I don't think we have the answers on fighter safety, and I don't think this three minutes is enough time to tackle all that, but I want to use this three minutes to talk about Patrick Day, the fighter, Patrick Day, the person, and you talk to anyone that has known him for, you know, just for five, ten minutes, like it was Eddie Hearn, which he got emotional about uh, in his interview or it was his entire life, like his his trainer and father figure, Joe Higgins, you knew that Patrick Day was a special person, a guy that didn't have to box. Comes from a great family, both of his parents have good jobs, grew up here in, in Long Island, well-educated, but boxed because he wanted to. Up until you know the, the interview before, the press conference before his last fight, he talked about, people always ask me, why do I box? And it's because I love doing it. When I'm in the ring, I'm, I'm most happy. So therefore, like it's a tough time in boxing dealing with these deaths. Now this is now four this year or three in the last three years, but Patrick Day just seemed like a, a great dude and someone that didn't have to box. And and you take a look at his amateur record, seventy-five and five, won the Golden Gloves, was dead set on becoming a champion, and it's just a really sad moment. But I want to talk about who Patrick Day is and was. I think that's that's really important, Dan. And and like you said, it's tragic. It's unfortunate. Patrick Day, he was only twenty-seven years old. And I think, like you said, boxing was his passion. He, he's quoted in saying, as saying it made him happy. It's what he wanted to do. Like you said, he didn't fight his way out of poverty. This wasn't that story. His mother was a, a translator for the UN. His dad was a doctor. He could have done a lot of things. And I think he had ambitions uh, to do a lot of things outside of boxing. I think he was talking about wrapping up his boxing career, which makes it even that much more tragic uh, and and sad. He was the type of person that he always had a smile on his face. If you YouTube Patrick Day boxing interview or Patrick Day boxer, you're going to see him with a big smile on his face. He was always giving advice to young kids. He was the type of guy that you wanted as a role model. People are quoted as saying, this is the type of kid you wanted as a son, as a brother. And that just makes it all that much more unfortunate and tragic and sad. 
It also makes us think about what's going through the mind of Charles Conwell, the, the opponent who knocked him out. He was just doing his job. He's a 21-year-old kid doing his job, and, and, and he knocks out Patrick Day. And it, it really is unfortunate. It makes us pause and think, what can we do in the sport? Like you said, that's a bigger topic, and we're going to have to sit down for a long time to figure out the tweaks we can make in our sport. At some point uh, in years past, they changed the rules from 15 rounds to 12. And those types of conversations need to be had. But this moment is for looking back at the great man Patrick Day was um, and, and his effect on, on his community. And it's our job to to look back at, at the man he was in this unfortunate time. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh, Charles Conwell. Got to know him a little bit, calling fights for Broadway boxing. And I'm also uh, glad you brought up Joe Higgins. Well, that was his trainer. And uh, I know Conwell is feeling terrible about this, and he wrote an open letter. But I think it's great that Higgins, which was Patrick Day's trainer, said to Charles Conwell, do not quit. Go on, be a champion, because Patrick Day wanted to be a champion. Now do it for him. Go out there and win. So something positive can come from this story. Round two here. We just came off of Arthur Betterbiev versus Alexander Gvozdik. It was a light heavyweight unification fight. Two beasts in that division, undefeated fighters. They both had power, and Betterbiev showed he was the better man on that night. He knocked out Vozdik. So, Dan, I'll ask you this. Have we been underrating Artur Betterbiev? I feel like we have a little bit, and I don't blame the media. I don't blame the fans. We don't really know a lot about Betterbiev. We knew that he was a beast. We knew that he had 13-0 uh, with 13 knockouts. But a big reason why people are underrating him is because of his resume. Before this fight with Vozdik, who was his who was his best win? Campillo, Gabriel Campillo, Callum Johnson. We just didn't have that resume, and the fighters simply didn't know. But if you take a look at his fighting style, people will not be underrating him anymore. I think people will be hard-pressed to, to, to favor him, or they will be favoring him in fights moving forward in an action-packed 175-pound division. He fought a perfect fight against Vozdik. Vozdik was the, the, the boxer in there, and it was a 50-50 fight, but a lot of people were edging Vozdik because of his willingness to to box more, move around more, jab. He was coming off of a win, a, a few wins, but he had that big win over Stevenson that kind of put him on the map and got him the title. But to answer your question, I think fans were kind of underrating Betterbiev, but not anymore. I think he now elevates to the top of the division. I think he's the, the best fighter uh, in that division. It's an interesting question, right? Underrating someone. That means they're performing at a certain level and we're rating them lower than that level. The issue with Betterbiev is, is he is a beast. He's a warrior. He has knockout power. He's a great fighter. And what he showed against Vozdik is, is really great because he fought at the highest level of competition. Vozdik is, is a really great champion. But we weren't underrating him because Betterbiev had promotional contract issues with his promoter. So he was out for a long time. He he had injuries. So if you look at his fight history, he ended up fighting about once a year. And when you're on the way up, right, as you mentioned, I think coming to this fight, he was 14-0 with 14 knockouts. So as you're on the way up, you want to be fighting more, multiple times a year. A year. You want to be building up your, your fan base. The way Triple G did when he landed in America and he was knocking guys out. I think at one point, maybe four guys a year, right? He's, yeah. he's knocking these guys out and building that fan base. So... If Betterbiev was doing that, and then we were not giving him his credit, I would say, oh, we're underrating him. But that wasn't the situation based on the contracts, based on the injury. And because of that, I would say we weren't underrating him. But now, based on his last performance with an explosive knockout in the 10th round over a tough champion, he needs to be in our conversation for definitely top light heavyweights because he's a unified champion and in the pound for pound conversation creeping in there as well it's crazy how that works and that's crazy how it works with boxing you underrate someone and then he get gets up to the to the main level and now we're gonna start saying yeah is he really that good i mean who's he gonna fight now but he has plenty of opponents should canelo alvarez win against kovalev 
He can fight uh, Canelo if Canelo wants to stay 175. I doubt that is the case. He can fight Kovalev. But the fight to make, obviously, is with Dimitri Bivol. And it seems like Bob Arum is willing to take up Eddie Hearn on his offer to fight uh, Bivol on ESPN. So keep an eye on that. But it seems like better Biev is going to take his mandatory. Then I can see a unif another unification, which is great for boxing, uh, with Dimitri Bivol. Speaking of Canelo Alvarez, he's got a big fight coming up in less than two weeks with Sergey Kovalev, but you would never know it because I don't think this fight is getting the proper promotion. We've seen some stuff from DAZN with their fight season com uh, commercials, but nothing about the actual fight. One of the biggest fights on the schedule. So, hey, Curran, has DAZN dropped the ball a little bit when it comes to promoting this fight between Canelo and Sergey Kovalev? 100% everyone has dropped the ball, the zone, the promoters, everyone has dropped the ball in promoting this mega fight. So I went in the zone app, I was looking for some pre-programming, I saw old press conferences, I saw old fight recaps. What I didn't see is uh, cameras in camp, shooting training, getting storylines. I want these fighters everywhere, right? I want Canelo on late night TV with Jimmy Kimmel. I want them on Snapchat. I want them on Instagram stories. I want them on TikTok. I want to see these guys in my face. You have such an interesting storyline. You have the number one, arguably most popular fighter in the sport in his prime. He has one loss and he's daring to be great. He's jumping up two weight classes and he's challenging another superstar in the sport, Sergey Kovalev. I mean, what else do you want? The storyline writes itself. And in 2019, with the, the way that you can put content everywhere, on YouTube, all over, there's no excuse for not seeing this more. And there may be content being made, but it's not in our face, right? As boxing fans, as consumers, we, we see this stuff. And it's not in my face, and it should be. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because there's a lot of fights have been told. The stories have been told. And you can kind of say that these fight camps, you know, it's getting a little stale with this type of uh, promotion and there's not a lot of storylines anymore in some of these fights not this one no. there are a lot of storylines in this fight and it's the biggest star in boxing and it's also on the zone which has all the freedom to put out shoulder program they don't have to wait for the perfect time slot on hbo between the sopranos and kirby enthusiasm and all the fights that are on, all the shows that were on sunday nights they can just roll out anything and put it on the, that app i am a little surprised by that but i will give them a little bit of credit here watching sunday night football last night between the, the cowboys and the eagles you'll see a lot of his own commercials you know every other commercial break you'll see the fight season but it's just the fight season and it's a great and it's a w very well done message and it's a very well done uh, promotion that is highlighting the biggest fights that are coming up this fall. There's no doubt about that. But how about, you know, it's fight season. Also, we have Canelo right. Alvarez fighting on November 2nd. Let's also keep in mind they're going up against the UFC. Big fight that night, big fight with crossover appeal between Jorge Masvidal and Nick Diaz. So I'm a little concerned, not concerned, but a little surprised that the zone uh, did not roll out the carpet here for Canelo. Absolutely, 100%. When, when we were at the uh, UFC press conference, Dana White said, they're crazy for putting their fight up. I did ask him that question. You did. And and and, and Dana White responded to you, said they're crazy for going up against Nate Diaz versus Masvidal. But here's the thing. I, I agree with you that they're promoting fight season, and that's understandable because it's a hell of a lineup coming up. But what we're missing from that is the mindset of Canelo and the mindset of Kovalev. I want to hear from these guys. I want producers uh, interviewing them, and I want to see that content. What, what is the mindset? What's the weight uh, like for Canelo, how is he adjusting to making that weight? I want to see this stuff, and I'm disappointed that I'm not. Speaking of the zone, another fighter that's on the zone is Demetrius Demetrius Andrade, and a fighter who wants to challenge him is Jermall Charlo, who's currently in the PBC 
Fox family, but Charlo says that he would be willing to take a one-day contract to fight Andrade, to fight Canelo, to fight Golovkin, to fight these zone guys. All in one day? <laughs> that would be a hell of an achievement if he fought them all in one day. So let's say he doesn't fight them all in one day, but he takes his time. Is that a good thing for boxing? I think it's a great thing, and it's a fight that we've been seeing from kind of a mile away as you see how the 160-pound division is starting to fall into place here. Canelo and Triple G are doing a little do-si-do right now. They're going to be kind of locked up with each other, especially Canelo, who seems like he's running his own show right now. He'll go fight Kovalev. He'll fight whoever he wants. Hasn't brought up Jamal Charlo. Look on the other side of things, Demetrius Andrade has a belt at 160 and simply cannot find an opponent. He can't find that he can't find that big fight that he's been searching for for a very long time. Now let's go over to the Showtime and the PBC side. Jamal Charlo, a fighter that had a ton of momentum two years ago, knocking everyone out, who's almost got to the point where you had to talk about Jamal Charlo in almost every conversation when it came to boxing, but he has now been able to not lock down an opponent. This makes sense. This makes a lot of sense, and you have to give credit to Chris Mannix over at Sports Illustrated and DAZN. He's been calling for this fight for a very long time, and we've seen it in the past. We've seen it with unification bouts with guys on different networks. We saw it with Maurice Hooker and Jose Ramirez a few years back. We saw it with Danny Jacobs going on over to HBO to fight Golovkin. These two fighters need each other. They both have belts. The winner would move on to fight Canelo or fight Triple G or get bigger fights. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. It makes a ton of sense, and we're in boxing, so anything that makes sense usually doesn't happen. Uh, let's hope that it does. Jamal Charlo already said that Andre is chinny, right? So you'd love to see these guys just square up for the pre-promotion. Both great talkers, yeah. both very confident in their ability. So you'd love to just see that. You'd also love to see him match up with any of these guys, like you said, Canelo, Triple G. It seems like Canelo is tell telling Triple G to take a hike. He almost doesn't want to give him this opportunity, give him that payday. So if he is able to get take off uh, if he is able to knock out Kovalev or get past Kovalev who does he want next enter Jamal Charlo it just makes it all that more interesting and I think f forget this situation it'd be great if we could get this going as a trend in boxing right we've been talking about this forever we want the biggest matchups this is what everyone is saying they want the Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford and on and on and on and the sides of the streets are, are driving us all crazy that these fights can't happen so hey one day contracts let's make it happen uh, everyone makes money. Everyone will profit off this because people will watch these big matchups. Yeah, and, and another reason why it's enticing for, let's say, Showtime, who have their issues right now, and maybe they're not willing to let their prize prospect, and they don't have a lot of assets right now, go fight on the zone. But let's say Jamal Charlo wins, and he gets that belt back. All of a sudden, Showtime, PBC, they're in the driver's seat. They have a, uh, another belt. They can make bigger fights down the line. So it does make sense, and there is incentive for networks to do this. Current was sticking with the zone because it is fight season on the zone. Biggest fight on the calendar remains Joshua versus Ruiz, the rematch. And there's some talk is starting to ramp up a little bit here, whether it's talking about the belts, who's going to hold them beforehand, but it's also talking about the weight of Andy Ruiz. A photo came out. I don't know how accurate this photo is. He's wearing all black. He's using his angles properly. <laughs> but it seems like that Andy Ruiz is slimming down for this fight. Is this a good idea moving forward with this rematch? He's uh, he's slimming down using some camera tricks that maybe like these Instagram models and stuff do. Um, is it a good idea? I don't. I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's been doing his thing at his current weight, so why slim down? It kind of reminds me of Prince Fielder years ago. I think he went vegan, lost some power, started eating cheeseburgers again, started 
started hitting home well, runs again. Well, we're going to talk baseball. It's like CC Sabathia. He was eating Captain Crunch. He was throwing fastballs. He went on a diet as well. Lost some miles per exactly. hour Exactly. So, bottom line, get this man a cheeseburger. Get Ruiz a cheeseburger. I want him to be eating. I want him to come in. His whole career, he's kind of been in that 250, 260 range. Sometimes he's, he's spiked higher. I want him in that same zone. I don't want him to lose too much power. The thing about Ruiz is he's got the hand speed. He's got the conditioning. We've seen him move. It's not like he's been fatigued late in these fights. He's only had the one loss, which was a razor-thin loss to Joseph Parker. Um, that went the distance. So it's, it's he's not butterbean, right? This isn't a guy out of shape. So I don't agree with him trying to slim down. I actually don't think he has to make too many changes. Uh, he did his thing in the first fight. Going into the, the rematch, I don't think he has to make that many changes. Yeah, it leads me to believe maybe he's playing a little bit of mind games with Joshua because leading up to this fight, it's all been about Joshua, what he's doing different. How is he going to fight different? We talked to him in New York a few months back. He was said he was training different. He's not coming in as as big and, and muscly. So maybe there's a little bit of mind games from Ruiz. He's talking a little bit more now. But you're right. I think he came into this first fight at 268, uh, the first fight, with, and that's a little too much. But he said it was by design. He had a fight just a few weeks previous to that. So it's not like he ballooned up. I think he came in 268 for a reason. That's because he wanted his punches uh, to be more powerful. If he goes below 250, I don't think he's ever fought below 242. He's fought as high as 297 pounds. I think if he finds that happy medium around 255, 250, he'll be in really good shape for this one. Like you said, he's got the power. He's got the speed and combination. I just saw a video of him just before we started this segment here where he looked like he was still the same weight. So, you know, when guys are that big, they can drop 15, 20 pounds like it's nothing. But if, if I'm Andy Ruiz, I'm going into this fight just like I went into the first one. Not a 268, but maybe 250, lean, mean, ready to go, ready to bring back or keep those titles. Right. The question is, is he actually slimming down or is it, you know, the Facetune, the, uh, the Instagram filter? We don't know what it is. The other thing is there's so much anticipation and hype on this rematch that whatever either guy does turns into a story. So what did Ruiz do? He, he happened to be wearing a black shirt. He... Someone took a photo of him, and that turned into a story. Oh, he's slimming down. Same thing with Joshua. Even though we know he's probably making changes, same thing. There's so much speculation that happens on every single thing that these guys do. So most likely what's going to happen is these guys are going to train for the fight the way they've always trained. It's going to be a great rematch, and no one's going to make dramatic changes. But let's see what happens. Moving along here, Alexander Usyk took on Chaz Witherspoon. He knocked him out in the seventh round, a TKO win for Usyk, who campaigned at cruiserweight for a long time, but now he's moving up to heavyweight. So was that fight enough for you to kind of gauge where Usyk's at at heavyweight? No, and yes, I mean... Alexander Usyk, we have to take into account that he was moving into heavyweight for the first time in his career. Obviously, we know what he did at cruiserweight, one of the best cruiserweights of all time up there with Evander Holyfield and others. But we have to realize something about Alexander Usyk as he goes into the heavyweight division and he's now like the new kid on the block. He's the new kid at the lunch table here in a very uh, intriguing heavyweight division. That's not all heavyweights are built the same. Not all heavyweights fight the same. Now, Alexander Usyk is not a one-punch uh, power. Yes, he knocked out Tony Ballou, but that was almost like a systematic breakdown, and he, he kind of depends on movement, Usyk. He depends on uh, pressure. He's just like his best friend, Vasil Lomachenko. You know, three, four punches in the perfect spot, I'll break you down, and I'll beat you. So I think a lot of fans came into this fight. There was a lot of hype around Usyk. They thought he was going to have this spectacular one-punch knockout and take out a guy in, in Witherspoon who, let's be honest, was you know maybe three, four years past uh, a competitive fight for him. But I think we need to kind of just maybe tone it back a little bit with Usyk, but also be intrigued because he is a new name in the division, and I think he can give some fighters 
uh, especially in heavyweight division, some trouble. He can certainly give fighters problems. Here, here's the thing about moving up to heavyweight, right? I think it just tells us more about who you are, right? There's a saying like, if you win the lottery, your financial habits aren't going to change. This is going to make you more who you are. If you had poor financial habits before, you're going to have them again. Same thing with heavyweight. If you were chinny before, now moving up to heavyweight, you're going to be knocked out faster. And so it's not, he wasn't a knockout puncher, a one punch machine before. He's not going to be one now in the heavyweight division. We're just learning more about what he is and who he is. Usyk gets a lot of credit for what he was able to do at, at uh, Cruiserweight. He was able to unify all four belts. That very, very rarely happens uh, in the modern four-belt era. Terrence Crawford is able to do it, but you have to go back to like Hopkins and other people who are actually able to do that. So he's earned the right to now take this chance and move up into the heavyweight division. And you know he's going to have tons of dance partners because he's a guy from Cruiser moving up. So we saw Tyson Fury was kind of eyeing him up. How big is this guy? Um, can I take him on? Uh, Derek Chisora mentioned Usyk's name. Um, he, he's he's getting called out by Andy Ruiz, said he would give him a shot. So he's in the mix, and it's going to be interesting to see his style against a lot of these, these people. But to answer the question, it's way too early for us to know exactly what he's going to be at heavyweight. Well, if he he's going to fight the winner of Ruiz and Joshua. I mean, he is the WBO number one uh, mandatory contender. That's why Andy Ruiz was asked that question. I don't know if I would take that fight for Usyk. I think he should, in the meantime, maybe fight a Carlos Tocam like he was originally supposed to fight. Fight a Derek Trezor, fight a Joseph Parker. There's plenty of names in the matchroom family, the banner that he fights under, to make those fights. But encouraging start, and we should all be excited that there's another name in the heavyweight division. Not so quick to just write this guy off, because as we just illustrated, he's not the prototypical heavyweight. Kern, you can't talk to heavyweight division without talking about Tyson Fury. He's seemingly on every single show right now, every single channel. There's a ring, there's a fight, there's a morning show. Tyson Fury is there, of course. He's going to be fighting or wrestling. I don't even know what the proper term is, but he's going to be appearing in the WWE of this upcoming pay-per-view at the end of the month. Wrestling Braun Strowman. A lot of distractions, you could say, or are these needed for Tyson Fury? But one thing he's not talking about... That's a rematch with Deontay Wilder. Are these good distractions or bad distractions? It, it's it's interesting, Dan. So Triple H said uh, Tyson Fury's training hard. He's impressed by that. Um, here's the one thing. Tyson Fury ha came back from mental health, right? He was out for a couple years. And it's actually, it could be a good thing to just stay active, stay doing something that isn't eating and drinking, right? We remember those couple years that Tyson Fury was out, he ballooned up in weight. So if he's staying active, if he's training in whatever form of combat, that could be a good thing. Um, the other thing is, it's it's a little risky, though, because as fans, we want to see Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, too. We remember their first fight. It was it was a crazy ending, and we want to see that, that rematch happen early next year. Tyson Fury got cut really bad in his last fight. And when you're in WWE, these are real athletes. Yes, the outcome uh, is scripted. We know what, who's going to win. What's fake? <laughs> Sorry to ruin that for you, Dan. Uh, but uh, so th these are real athletes, and there's actually a lot of of, of combat involved. There's they're, they're running around the ring, they're getting slammed, so that cut could easily get open. Uh, Eddie Hearn was quoted as saying he thinks Tyson Fury's done with boxing. He thinks he's packing up and and he's done. Tyson Fury himself said that this could postpone or cancel the rematch with Wilder. Um, so that might be head games, just messing with Wilder. Who knows? But the bottom line is, it's a good thing for Tyson Fury himself for his wallet to do WWE. It's a bad thing for boxing fans who really want to see this rematch with Deontay Wilder. You know, it's funny, I talked to Deontay Wilder when he was doing commentary for the Konaki fight, and he said, Tyson Fury doesn't want to fight me. He does not want to fight me. He's happy that I'm, that, uh, you know, he went with top rank to avoid me and all this stuff. But we know why, we're seeing why uh, Tyson Fury went to top rank, and that's to build up his profile. 
And you can't argue that they're they're not doing that. They're doing a wonderful job of getting Tyson Fury out there. Maybe a little too much, throwing the lineal in your face and on Saturday night or Friday night when there was the Better Be versus Vazdik fight. Uh, you know, Joe Tess was kind of buying into the WWE storylines, you know, kind of selling that fight <laughs> while also saying, like, you know, this is a tough fight you got with Strowman before you got Wilder, almost making it legit, which I had kind of had an issue with. But you're seeing something from Tyson. Yes, I agree with these are good distractions. And we talked about his mental health issues and him staying focused and at least keeping his mind healthy can be good for his boxing career. But who knows? This is a guy that can literally change the, and on the, you know, just get totally out of boxing we also could haven't even talked about his emerging uh, music career he has a christmas single coming out with robbie williams if that doesn't scream out <laughs> british royalty right there i don't know what does but you know tyson fury is an interesting cat i want to see him fight he's only 30 years old and but you know these distractions are something to keep an eye on you know i will tune in to watch him in the wwe to see how he does and you brought up triple h and the fact that he has to train now and learn all these moves now could be some uh it could be a distraction that is not a positive thing but one thing we know about the heavyweight division and tyson fury all eyes will be on tyson fury round eight final topic here dan we like to end these things on a light-hearted note so the question is if you had a boxing bucket list right something you always wanted to do not necessarily see i wouldn't want to actually be a fighter i'm, I'm far too pretty and you don't have that problem so maybe that's what you want to do but what would you want to do in and around the ring you want to walk a fighter out you want to be a ref you want to be a judge what would you want to do on your boxing bucket list well number one my boxing bucket list would i want to walk a champion out on his ring walk, kind of hold the belt up, be like the Watson twins, but yes. just be myself up there. I want to just just experience that ring walk right into the ring as they're doing the introductions. You stand behind them, you pump them up. <laughs> that's number one on my list. That, that's a great rush to just be going on a ring walk. We know those can be epic, especially for big pay-per-view fights. I think the guy who gets to hold the flag, like is that all he's doing? Is just standing behind the guy holding the flag? If that's all he's doing all night, give me give me that job. I mean, there's so many quirky, interesting jobs in boxing. Well, right? one thing I would not want to be that is a judge i feel like that is the most you know the the job that you don't want to have where right. you, you don't you don't get a thanked for that job i i would take i would take being a judge and i'll tell you why there's so many robberies in boxing and so many terrible scorecards and we're sitting at home being like i could judge this fight i would like to do that for a big fight get, get a great view see the fight um there, there, there's so many other things we talked about michael buffer gives his introduction someone has to kind of hold the <laughs> microphone yeah. under him that that's a job um you could be like a stage manager working production just you want to be around this sport and, and see the How sport about close count the punches uh, yeah, lucky I mean, people that get to do that. that. Yeah, you should you should definitely try that. Well, one. that's something I would want people to do just to show them how hard it is. There's so many jobs. How about being the guy that holds open the the ring, holds open the ropes for the ring car girl? Ah, yep, that's that's another one that you could do. And while we're bringing up ring car girl, <laughs> how about this? How want to be the first ever ring man? Yes. Ring card man. Why does it have to be just women that are dressed scantily clad? I'm not going to say I'm going to go up there in, in a Speedo or banana hammock, but I want to go <laughs> in there with maybe shorts, get in the gym, start working out, hold up that ring, yeah. hold up that card, and be the first ever, be a revolutionary, be the first ever ring man. Absolutely. Andrew, Andy Ruiz is slimming down. You could join him in the gym. You could get in get in some good shape and get in that ring. And I think I think you should start this campaign for, for ring men. Let's get a hashtag in it. Let's get the hashtag going. Ring man. Let's get, some, let's get it back. Let's get start something new. Boxing is the oldest sport. There's so many traditions, and I feel like all the jobs are set. I haven't seen a <laughs> ring man in there, and I want to be the first. 
you want to be the first and we, we it's funny you brought up the watson twins when you when we first brought up this topic that's the first thing i thought of because just being in the ring and kind of standing near the camera getting your face on camera and just yeah. standing behind two guys you know as standing behind a champion as he gets his interview maybe uh putting together the after party right after a lot of these big pay-per-view nice. fights we see these these fighters partying in vegas with popping bottles right yeah. so let's say you're in charge of putting that together that could be another good one yeah fighter liaison that's probably the best job that there is in boxing <laughs> there's so many jobs behind the scenes in the ring it's one of the quirkiest sports but boxing there it is let's get that going man. let's get that going ring man let's talk that ring man. make it happen let's get that trending That is a wrap for another edition of Inside Boxing Live. A special thanks to our guest, Kerwin Batia, for coming on and giving us another great standing eight-count segment, as well as Regis Progre, who has the biggest fight of his life, coming up against Josh Taylor. He wins this fight. I expect him to maybe move up to 147 uh, to take on Terrence Crawford, and Jose Ramirez is certainly always looming in 140 pounds. As for the other big fights this weekend over on ESPN, you got Shakur Stevenson going up against Joette Gonzalez. Shakur Stevenson and dating the sister of Joette Gonzalez as he goes to try to be the youngest champion in boxing today. Over on Showtime, a great card highlighted by Erickson Lubin. For me, I will be this Thursday, Broadway Boxing on UFC Fight Pass. Check it out. Great fights coming to you from St. Francis College over in Brooklyn. We'll see you next week for another edition of Inside Boxing Live.